Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Very well, thank you. I'm enjoying the holiday weekend. I'm enjoying hearing the piano emanating from the other room uh, from our piano teacher who got here a little bit late. And I wasn't, I, our piano day for our kids moved from Tuesday to Monday. And I never think about that when I say, hey, let's record earlier because we both had oh. a day off from work and I got some things to do tonight. And, and the piano teacher is still here. So if you hear piano coming into my mic, that's the reason why. It's I not your imagination. Like no, no, you, you. it's not the music playing in the background as things fade away slowly. It's not that. <laughs> uh, Joe, they're putting uh, fiber internet into my neighborhood. Oh, finally. Congratulations. Yeah, well, you say finally, but you don't have fiber internet. What are you talking about? Well, the sooner the better for both of us. I'm happy yes. for you as well as I would be happy for myself. So AT&T is the company that's putting it in. I was kind of hoping Google Fiber would come. I know Google is a company that we have concerns about privacy-wise and various things, but I trust Google a little more than AT&T because I've had, AT- I've, I've had to deal with AT&T in the past. Um, in fact, my first when, – when Rachel and I were first married, our first internet was through AT&T, and it was DSL. That was the fastest I could get at the time. Um, and then uh, AT&T decided to start putting in data caps not only on their cellular customers, which we also were at the time, but oh. on – Landline internet, which sort of defeats the purpose, and it was 300 gigs. And as you might imagine, me as a, a video, a, a film editor at the time, uploading and downloading, you know, previews and you know, quick, quick times for people, directors to look at and people to look at. And I, at the time, I would I would be paid overtime to work in the evenings, and so often I would, or for sometimes I would work for somebody else, third party in the evenings, aside from my day yeah. job, and so. I would exceed 300 gigabytes pretty quickly, and the first time, you know, when AT&T first instituted that cap, uh, I exceeded it, and uh, they charged me a bunch of money, and so I switched to Comcast because Comcast had come to my neighborhood, and uh, so Comcast, believe it or not, was better. That is so uh, however, sad. I'm sorry, yeah. America. America just makes me so sad. <laughs> however, at the moment, I'm looking at AT&T's advertisement that they left on my door right before they started digging up our neighborhood, and... Um, it says right on there, unlimited internet data included. And I looked at the prices, and it is uh, $60 for the first year and then 80 for uh, 80 a month for any t- after the first year, after the promotional first year, which is less than I'm paying Charter right now. And it's faster, and it's symmetrical. And so I'm very – I'm likely going to be switching to that when it's available. Um, they they looks like they finished, but it's still not like they haven't turned it on yet. So I'm on their waiting list, and we'll see how you know. I suppose I say at and tra- at and trash usually, yes. <laughs> AT&T, but uh, it, it's really just a matter of of which trashy internet company you want to go with. So I don't know, but I've really I've always wanted fiber internet, Joe. It's it's you know thousand it's megabits per second up and down basically. Yeah. So. So I know what I would do if I wanted to find out if fiber internet was coming into my town. I would Google it. I would hope I would get a straightforward web page that would provide that information. But to be honest, I don't count on any of these phone companies and services to provide good information on whether or not it's coming to town. So how did you find out? Well, so they um, they left, you know, one of those hanging things that has a slit in it and a hole that you hang on somebody's doorknob kind of uh, cardboard thing. 
that you would hang on somebody's doorknob. That's I'm, I'm staring at it right here. It feel, and it says on here, feel that? It's the future of internet. Get 25, <laughs> get 25 times faster upload speeds and more bandwidth than cable. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do my announcer voice. Though. Okay, so uh, AT&T is still living in the past, trying to present the future. Well, so, and they, they list a website to go to. I mean, I mean, they had to put it up here because part of the information on this card is over the next several weeks, AT&T crews will be working in your neighborhood to upgrade your internet with 100% fiber technology. This work will sometimes require access to our internet that is located in easements or public right-of-ways. We will do our best to minimize any disruptions to you. Once the work is complete, we will remedy any disorder caused to your landscape if necessary. Should you have any concerns, call us. And it has the number. So that was the, I think that's the primary reason they're leaving it, but they also want us to be a customer, right? And AT&T has had internet in our neighborhood, but it's, it's the um, DSL slow internet. So we have charter, but everybody in the neighborhood has charter. So they want us to switch, you know? So they, they list an, uh, a website on here, which I went to and AT&T's website is as it always has been awful, but I did manage to find a input box for an email of which supposedly they'll email me when it's available. And I did get a confirmation. So they did receive my email. So, uh, and I'll probably receive all kinds of spam now. Uh, not that they didn't have my email address before, cause I have been a customer, but uh yeah we'll see <laughs> we shall see i really want fiber internet joe so yeah um, i what i'm planning to do i expect it to be available before the end of the year because they're trying to roll it out and what i plan to do is get it side by side with charter for a month that way oh, I can, okay. if something is you know because it's brand new installation and if there's problems perhaps i'll have to switch back over to charter but then i'll cancel the charter you Good know thinking. if at&t is working well so cause I, I mean i can't afford to be without my internet i i do my job from home which requires me to have internet so mm-hmm. <sighs> yes so if you already considered where you would go if you had to leave the house if the internet was down for you know a day or two would you run to a coffee house where, where would you go well uh this has happened recently um there was a fire up on one of the main lines coming into Spring Hill, and it knocked out internet for all of Spring Hill. Like it wasn't just charter; it was it was everybody did not have internet, huh, <laughs> and yeah, because the yeah, main line, happens. like one of the, one of the big lines coming into the town, was just gone. <laughs> so they and uh, you know you could drive by there and you could see crews working on it. But I um, it, this happened toward the end of day. I, I think it was like a Monday or a Tuesday. I don't remember for sure. This is a few months ago, and so. Um, I told my boss, I texted him, I, the, 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 um, the wireless, you know, cell signal was still working, although it was very slow because everybody was on their cellular signal. So, um, I texted my boss and I said, Hey, this has happened. I'm going to call it a day early and we'll see what's going on tomorrow. Well, tomorrow it wasn't fixed the next day. And so I considered my options. I could have driven to a, you know, probably a coffee shop up in Franklin, which is about 20 minutes away. They probably still had internet. I'm sure they did because it was just really affecting the town of Spring Hill. Uh, but I wound up just going. I, I my boss at we're a distributed company, but my boss happens to live up in Nashville. My my good well, he was on the show. My good friend Kevin Smith. So, right. um, so I actually just drove up to his house and spent the day there on his kitchen table working from his internet. Okay. So, but there is options. Like there's always places you can go that have internet. But the you know it's the internet when you're out and about is always somewhat questionable. Like is it going to be fast enough to do my job? And is it you know or is it going to be intermittent? And you know then working mm-hmm. in a coffee shop is just you know at some point you get tired of that and you want to be somewhere else, somewhere a little more private. And so it was nice I could go to my friend's house. What I have to do because I usually post new YouTube video content on Thursdays, mm. I have to have my 
I have to have a few videos already done in the queue and scheduled in advance so that if the power were to go out and we lose the internet access, then come Thursday, I'm not like trying to load it to the internet and don't have a means, no internet data connection. So it has to be in advance. So I, it actually took a while as a YouTuber, as a video producer to get the schedule to where we could have enough videos in the queue in advance just to create that buffer. Because if it wasn't for uploading to YouTube, I technically wouldn't need YouTube, uh, internet access most of the time, hmm. you know, as a video editor. I uh, need internet access more than ever with my current job because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that has in, – in the field that I'm in has to remain private. And so we have our own v- – you know, we have a VPN and all of our stuff is behind it and I have to log in to get to it and push and pull with Git and all that stuff. Uh, Git is for, – for those who aren't developers, Git is a source code management tool. So it's the most popular one. So anyway, um, yeah, it's it's more important than ever that I have internet. <laughs> so. Yeah, Okay. So uh, I need your help, TJ, because yes, you have I, a brand new twenty-one-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> car. <laughs> I have a twenty-one-year-old car, brand new to me, and I love this girl. This was my grandmother's uh, CRV Honda, and uh, you know, it's um, it's actually kind of pretty. It's got a nice winter green coat of paint that's not rusted through. Uh, it's got a little wear and tear. But it's got lots of love. It's not as old and rickety as the Millennium Falcon. So I'm doing the math. If it's 21 years old and the year is 2021, that means it's a 2000 model on the mm-hmm. CRV. Okay, yeah. so I'm looking at pictures of it now, and I'm glad that you like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it wouldn't be my first choice, uh, but it has that sort of, you know, I I I am not ugly. I'm not handsome. I'm not beautiful. Yeah, it's not uh, ugly per se. It's mm-hmm. just not. I wouldn't choose it personally. <laughs> It could, it, it could, yeah. Uh, the, the more modern SUVs definitely are more fascinating to behold. Yeah. But you know, it sounds like you probably got a good deal on it. So more yeah, power to I you. really am getting a steal for it, and so yeah. very grateful for uh, this uh, family deal uh, yeah, that yeah. was arranged. Of course. Now I uh, I got this vehicle, and you know what? It has one of those things that we used to call ca- cassette tape decks. Audio. The what now? The, what audio. Is it? tape things uh that were made of plastic is this like a cd player or Mm -hmm. i don't understand it it, it has a reel-to-reel film Uh. (laughs) and you gotta get the you have to have a number two pencil to tighten it (laughs) yes oh my gosh oh our age is showing um (laughs) you gotta put tape over the quarter in order to record to the tape and when and when it's you start hearing garbled like you got to stop it quick before it eats the whole tape and you got to pull it out carefully. Oh, and- <laughs> disaster! Yeah, yeah. So you got your your what you're saying is your system has a cassette tape player and nothing else. Yeah, it's a cassette player. It's got a CD player. It's got AM FM, which I mean, <laughs> so it has you're not no, going to go there. It has no auxiliary port. That I am aware of. I don't see one on the outside of the face it's of the stereo. Then, yeah. yeah. It's well, got it's got the firelighter. So so here's what I tried. Uh, for starters, I wanted to be able to play podcasts and music on my phone. Maybe the occasional YouTube video. No, I'm just I'm not serious. All right. So <laughs> we have a dash mount we got from Walmart because uh-huh. we were already there. And then I was like, well, you know, since I'm here, I'll go ahead and check and see what I could do if there is a solution for getting audio. So I'm looking at the options. There were those cassette tapes that have a wire. That comes out and you you know plug that into the fire lighter for power, and then you're able to use this cassette tape to pair to your phone via Bluetooth. 
I never actually had an occasion to do this before. So I knew that this wizardry existed and it sounded cool enough that I really wanted to give it a shot. However, in the last, I don't know how long, they decided to also make wireless versions of these kind of Bluetooth audio yes. cassettes. Everything's going Bluetooth. Okay. So I, I get this home and I take it out and it has a USB cord and the cassette tape and it's got a port on the side of it. So I plug the cord in and I plug it into a power brick into the wall and I charge it up. It's got a red light on the outside of the audio cassette. This is crazy. So it's like, uh, it's like the past and the future are at the crossroads if met. So I wait a while and I unplug it and I put it into the car and Bob's your uncle, it works. <laughs> so the thing is, is that the Bluetooth worked yesterday, but as I'm going down the road, uh, you know how those old cassette decks would come to the end of side A and automatically click and Ooh. switch to sli- side B? Yeah. Well, it does that. And it tries this a couple of times, and then it spits the tape out as though something went wrong. So I thought, okay, maybe I didn't charge the cassette tape enough. Maybe the power is dying. And I charged it up more. That didn't seem to be the problem. Then I thought, well, maybe the Bluetooth connection is crashing. Maybe the Bluetooth is just lost. So I... I tried like repairing and unpairing, disconnecting all the other Bluetooth devices to my phone so that it was just a nice, clean, solid connection to just the cassette tape. And still today, it's not staying connected. It goes click, 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 and then it just spits the cassette out. So let let me let me try to diagnose some things here, or at least to disseminate some knowledge. I have no idea exactly what's going on, but I can tell you that the way these old cassette players work and automatically switch sides is when you when the so you have these things in here that of course spin the reels. When the tape runs out it hits the end and it stops the reel from spinning. And so that the tape deck then goes, oh, I'm sensing the pressure. I can't turn anymore. I can just switch and go the other way. Um, so something is telling that thing that that's happening. Now, there's two options for that. One is the internal mechanisms in the tape player itself are having problems. You know, there's some resistance inside the mechanism itself. It's not the, it's not your Bluetooth connector per se. Uh, it would do this with anything. So that's option A. So I would see if I could find <laughs> I would see if I could find any cassette that's still working and put it in there and see if it's doing that with just a standard cassette tape. Oh, that's because, a good idea. Yeah, because my dad has other, a lot of them. The other option is something about the cassette adapter is causing resistance, which tells it to switch sides. Now, normally these things don't even actually have a reel in them; they just have a hole where so they're not even spinning anything. But it could be that something is just it's it, it's misaligned or it's not quite the right size. So if it's a cheap cassette adapter, it's not quite the right shape and size, and it goes in there and it's pushing up against the uh, the, the spindle that turns the reel, oh, and uh, okay. and that could be causing it to think, oh, it's too much resistance. I need to switch sides. So those are really your kind of your two basic options. I, I lean towards something is wrong with the cassette player itself and, and its resistance internally. It Maybe could, a, a yeah, bearing it, is going out or something like that. Yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's a 21-year-old Honda CRV, so that makes a lot of sense if that's the case. Yeah. So the products I picked up from Walmart was a one of those CD slot smartphone mounts because I needed something fast. And if I had to, I'd return it after I got a more reliable one. <laughs> the CD slaughters are okay, you know, but if you're paying attention to what it's doing, the 
mount itself going down the road is bouncing a whole lot. And so it's like yeah. shaking and gyrating and it looks like it's going to wiggle my phone out of the mount gradually. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty mm-hmm. happy with my magnetic vent mount. So it, it, on the one side, it connects to the vent. The other side is the iPhone 12 mini magnetic Hey, real quick. Oh, there's a pot. Oh, there's a lot of rustling going on. In yeah, here. yeah. No, let me explain. I- I'm just getting the boxes out for the products, so I'll actually ah, pro- okay. provide links if I could find them online. So these okay. were both from Walmart, uh, and that was the wa- Walmart shopping bag. So the the mount is from Premier, and I really like CD mounts when they're sturdy, but I, I prefer the type you have as well, there, mm-hmm. TJ. Yeah. Then for the cassette tape, it's the cassette adapter i didn't even realize it was called an adapter until you said that but it's from a brand called auto drive so if it's the cassette deck's fault um i'd actually be tempted to replace this so i i'm going to use my imagination here tj i'm guessing that it would be cheaper to replace the cassette deck than to replace my entire stereo wouldn't you think Sure. Yeah. Well, so let me let me explain kind of my history with this transition into yeah, Bluetooth I have connected no experience. things. Uh, I drove for many years a uh, silver a 1999 silver Escort, which had only a tape deck, no auxiliary port, no CD player. It was right on the cusp, right? You know, before we changed over to CDs, and there were and before people cared about auxiliary input ports. So. Um, I got one of those tape adapters, and at the time, all we had was the wired options, and I had a, a little iPod. Uh, and I would just connect the iPod to it. This is pre-iPhone, right? So I would connect my iPod to it, and I'd be listening to music and podcasts and things. Well, there wasn't sometimes. I mean, podcasts were a later edition as I would sync them to my iPod. It's crazy what has how much has changed. Yeah. Um, but so all it had was just a wire that plugged into the headphone jack, and that worked okay. But I started experiencing what you were experiencing, which is the tape would automatically switch sides. It wasn't bad. It would do it every once in a while, and it never it, like I think once in a blue moon it would eject it, and you just push it back in, and it would probably work. Uh, and by the time it started to get worse, I sold the car. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that's the solution. Just sell the car. That's right. That's right. So the current car that I still have this, this car. This is the green car I've talked about before. My uh, uh, 2006, uh, 2003 Mazda Protege bought in 2006. Uh-huh. And, um, it, uh, I knew I didn't want to do that song and dance again. And so, but this was, like I said, I bought it in 2006 that iPhone wasn't even out yet, but I knew I wanted a, something that was, would last far into the future, which was, which was something that had a, um, auxiliary input. And the only thing in this car was a CD player, no auxiliary input. So, um, I, I had that it's, you know, it sits in the middle of the dash. I don't know what kind you have it probably from this era. It probably is the same. Like you can just get an adapter and for your, whatever you choose to put in there. I found I went to Best Buy and I found the least offensive third party uh, middle stereo system. You know the the stereo controller system, and it just hooks into your existing speakers. Hmm. Um, the reason I say least offensive is because when you go third party, they they I guess the market for that is they think you want like the most egregious looking uh, like lights everywhere, twenty five million buttons. <laughs> like I don't want I I literally I if I could have just made it look like it was factory, like the same exact thing, just give me an auxiliary port, I would have gone with that. But third party stereos, they just don't have that. So I got the least offensive looking one, and literally the only thing I use on that thing is the auxiliary port um and that was about three so this was 2006 i mean i literally i bought the car and i drove it to best buy and had them put this in it um and so uh 2006 uh it was about 300 dollars. i'm guessing with inflation and the prices of everything going up you're looking at more like 500 dollars to do that these days Hmm. okay um maybe but maybe not too i'm just i'm just shooting in the dark on that 
Okay. Uh, and, and I, you know, I've driven the car since 2006. It was a very worthwhile investment. I've, I've listened, you know, to so many things over the years, driving back and forth, you know, to work and or whatever I'm driving back and forth to. So that that that's how I did that. Now, a more recent addition to this setup, in the you know, in the early days, I was connecting directly with a cable to that auxiliary port. Um, as Bluetooth has become more popular, and especially as iPhones dropped the um, and in my Android phones too, none of my Android phones have had auxiliary ports um, that, or headphone jacks. So when I got my first phone without a headphone jack, I bought this. Uh, I've got a link to it. It's the first link I put in the in the document, Joe. I actually tried to. Uh, I looked it up in my Amazon order history, and I clicked the link, and it was a four hundred four. So it's not on huh. Amazon anymore. But I think you can get things just like this, just not this exact one. But I just okay. linked to this because I didn't have time to do more research if you click on that picture this is exactly the one that i have um and it is a bluetooth car kit and what it is is it's just a little device that has that is a bluetooth device and then it plugs into your auxiliary port and so then your phone connects to it wirelessly with bluetooth Oh, and um, okay. and so now your car basically has Bluetooth. It's just this thing that's mounted on my dash. You know, it's a it's a vent mount. It's got a little magnet, and it's mounted to my dash. And then the, the cable, there's two cables. One of them plugs into your auxiliary port, and the other plugs into power. Well, you know, your cigarette lighter, your uh, the, you know, they used to call them cigarette lighters. They just call, what do they call them now? They're they're power ports in your car. <laughs> um, and so it just plugs into that. And uh, now your car is equipped with Bluetooth. And I have had pretty good luck with this Teotronics Bluetooth car kit. Um, the biggest problem that we have is, of course, it can only be connected to one at a time. And my wife and I are both paired to it. And it will connect to if, – if my wife's phone is in range and she was the last one connected, it will connect to hers. Oh, and then yeah. I'm, wanting, I'm yeah. wanting to – so you have to do that dance. So – yeah, there's give and take, right? There, it, there mm-hmm. was a simplicity to just plugging into your cables, <laughs> uh, but we don't have headphone jacks anymore, and so then you got to do the whole song and dance of I have to have an adapter. Also, I might want to give it charge, which now that we have, you know, uh, wireless charging in our cars with the uh, the magnetic mounts, that's not as big of a deal. So it almost like I could go back to the had just having an adapter in the car. But we're just kind of entrenched in the Bluetooth ecosystem, so it's it's all like what what it's it's about what you want and the experience that you want. Yeah. So uh, what I want in the experience of this vehicle is not a lot. I'm not very picky about the audio quality necessarily or the user experience, except for that it, that it should work. It needs to work consistently. Another route I was considering was, you know, replacing the stereo. Honestly, sounds like like a great idea, but five hundred dollars is a lot of money. You know, that's that's more than the Nintendo Switch Oasis, you know, and that, or, or what, what did I call it? Oasis. That's the Kindle device, the the Nintendo Switch OLED. So mm. you know, just getting a stereo system for the car, just so that I can hear audio of spoken word podcasts, sounds kind of like overkill. Oh no, it is well worth it. But, so, but see, that the thing is, I'm also considering an, another alternative before I get to that stage. Is what if I ditch the idea of using a audio port or a cassette deck, and instead went the AM/FM uh, radio side? Don't do it. That was actually the first thing I tried with my Silver mm-hmm. Escort, and they're just it, maybe they've gotten better. But what I found is they're just so unreliable, and especially as you drive in and out of various coverages of radio FM. So you don't you don't want AM because that's really low fidelity in terms of your sound quality. Okay. FM is acceptable, uh, but the problem is as you drive in and out of areas where you you think you know when you're at home and you choose you think the most staticky. Um, you know, dial setting, uh, tuning setting, but then 
you drive into an area where that tune, you know, your basically your station from far away is overpowering mm-hmm. it. You know, you're because your uh, AM/FM transmitter can only transmit by by law so much power, and so the, of course the big station is is overwhelming it, even though your little station is right next to it. So the problem I always found is okay. bleeding in from radio stations. I I never never liked the FM transmitter route for for that just for that reason. Okay, mm, fair point. Mm, okay, uh, I'm still considering weighing the options, but I, I really am tempted to replace the stereo. D- just you know, if you're planning on keeping and driving the car for a while, and you can find some yeah. some spare change, that's the route I would go. I've been very glad that I did that. Like the and and I, I'm my sort of thing is if I delay too long on something, it's like it, sometimes it's like oh, but. I don't know how much longer and I don't know. But so I knew that I needed to do it right away. I know my personality yeah. well enough to go like, I need to do it. I want it a certain way. And then I was going to drive it for a long time. And that's what I've done. I'm still driving it. Like this was 2006. So it's been uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 15 years <laughs> that yeah. this has, has worked out for me. So, um, uh, that's what I did. I just, I just put that new, I bit the bullet. It was and at the time in 2006, we'd only been married for a year uh, is that right? Is it 2006 or is it 2007? I get confused on the dates. I'd have to go back and look. Maybe it was 2007. Anyway, because 2006 was the year my son was born. We bought it before my daughter was born. So maybe it was 2007. I don't remember for sure. <laughs> point. The point being, I it's just old. did it right away, bit the bullet. And even at that time, I just <laughs> finding 300 spare dollars was, you know, now, you know, I'm later, you know, further along in life, making more money. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. But at the yeah. time it was like, Oh my gosh, this is a this is on top of having just bought this car. This is a, a huge chunk of change, but so so it, if I again we're just using our imagination. So next time when we come back, I'll have done my homework and I'll have more information about car stereos. So uh just as a like a, an idea, if we were to guess, you're saying a, de- a tape deck and a stereo for a car, that would maybe uh, you want to estimate it would be like if you, if the, this was price is right, you would say five hundred dollars. What would you say a deck with CarPlay would be, Kelsey? Well, that's the thing, uh, Joe. Is if I was going to do it now, I was actually about to go into this. If I was going to recommend something to you now, I have I have a couple of recommendations. One is I'd be very tempted to try to get something that had CarPlay integrated into it because I really the times I've rented vehicles with Android Auto or CarPlay, I've really really enjoyed it. It's very very nice. Mm. Um, so that's my first recommendation is to at least consider that. Now, if that's too expensive, that I you know I, it might even be too expensive for me. I think you're looking at you know probably seven or eight hundred dollars. Um, but again, if you plan on driving it for a while and you're willing to drop that kind of money, it might be worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, true. but but my other recommendation to you is make sure whatever you get has as an auxiliary port otherwise it could become a brick at some oh, point oh yeah um and that was my w- number one like any any stereo system i get because i could have got even at the time i don't know if i could have gotten bluetooth at the time but let's say i could have you, you know maybe i could have gotten bluetooth at the time but what happens is the bluetooth starts getting janky or you know bluetooth upgrades over time so bluetooth that was available in 2007 um is not as good and and you know not as high fidelity as bluetooth that's available now and it doesn't connect as quickly and i don't even i would at the time let's be honest i wouldn't have considered it because bluetooth was just still so nasty um bluetooth is barely acceptable now so um but but having an auxiliary port means that it's never going to become a complete brick you can always eighth inch audio jacks are not going anywhere even now you're you'll always be able to get some sort of adapter that will adapt whatever you have to eighth inch input jack so that would be my recommendation is make sure you get something with a with a um, input jack no matter what you do yep I don't disagree. I think you're right. 
Well, the story will continue, folks. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, I'd be very interested. I've actually done some preliminary research on uh, Bluetooth. I'm sorry, on uh, Apple CarPlay. CarPlay. Just because we we just bought a new car, and I was like, you know, and and unfortunately, it actually gets a little harder as the, as the models get newer because they start having these touch screens built in, and they're kind of part of the system. And so then to like go third party, it gets more expensive because oh, all of a sudden you got to have stuff yeah. that integrates with your model of car and controls all the things, you know, just the way it's supposed to. And uh, you know, older models like yours might actually be easier because you can just plop a screen in there and connect it and you're good to go. Interesting. So, okay. so it might be easier. It might be easier. Interesting. I'm interested. Oh, this is kind of cool. I've not yeah. wanted to finagle with my car stereos before because my other vehicle is a 2014 model and it covers all the bases. So we don't have anything hmm. to do there. So you have you have CarPlay in your 2014? I don't have CarPlay, but I do have the port, I have the audio jack, I have Bluetooth, I have every yeah. alternative besides CarPlay. So usually we just mount the GPS uh, iPhone, you know, sure. on the dash with that. The way the mag- rest of us do. Yeah, the magnetic mount. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, that's that, exactly. Um, oh, the other recommendation I was going to make is, you know, I obviously have uh, bought a 25 or $30 adapter that mounts onto my vent and gives me Bluetooth in my cars. But in addition to the auxiliary jack, you might also look at and this might be a little more expensive but look at models of third-party stereos that have bluetooth built in and make sure you read the reviews because third-party stereos the bluetooth you can you can definitely get crappy ones and and they have hard time connecting and stuff so um and in fact my my van even though it's 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 not a third party it's actually first party my van has bluetooth built into its stereo system and i tried hooking it up but it's so slow and buggy and horrible oh, and laggy that's and, terrible. and you press pause on your phone and it's like you know five or six seconds before it pauses on the uh on, on the bluetooth on the stereo side of the bluetooth coming in so it's like i don't want that so i actually in my van i'm also using one of those 30 dollar adapters because it is so much better huh okay what well, very wise very wise tj thank you for the good advice <laughs> you're, you're welcome i hope i'm not leading you astray <laughs> hey but th- i mean this sort of thing is what this show is all about right living a high fidelity lifestyle like yes. we want we want high quality we, we want our drive quality to be just as good as every other part of our life yes please and we, it's gotta be high fidelity sound in the car right sure yeah, right that's right listen to over our audio cassette bluetooth tapes well speaking of high fidelity lifestyle you have upgraded it looks like your reading experience why don't you tell me about that yeah so i have always been fascinated with the idea of e-readers and I didn't want to invest a whole lot of money into weighty paperbacks and hardback books and lug boxes of books from house to house over the years. Have to dust those bookcases, have to purge the old ones to sell them in a yard sale. They kind of smell funny when the paper turns brown. I'm just not a big fan of crinkled paper and trying to read a paperback in the dark at night and have to find, you know, which angle do I need to sit on the couch to get the light to bounce off of the paper in the book so that I can read well after dark, you know? It's just not my thing. And so while people were very skeptical about e-readers, fairly quickly, I was won over by the idea. I knew the hardware would not be the greatest of the first couple of generations. And so I wanted to wait. I wanted the prices to come down. I wanted better reliable hardware. I liked the idea of a waterproof or water-resistant e-reader, something with a backlit display. I was fascinated by the idea that e-ink displays make the text look better than a pixel 
displays, you know, you know, a lot of computer screens better for what looks like, you know, ink on a paper. Yeah. Better for reading specifically. Yeah. Uh, It wouldn't wouldn't mm -hmm. be better for a computing experience, a generalized computing experience. Right. Exactly. It it would be sort of (laughs) like looking at uh, the, the best example of a full color tattoo and saying that that would be as good as, you know, your high fidelity television screen and you'd like to watch the Avengers on a tattoo picture quality. And it's like, nah, nah, it's not that good. So the, so I got a Kindle several years ago. I liked it. It was okay, but I wasn't thrilled by the, uh, like the handling of that original cheaper Kindle and getting ads plastered on the screen when it was in sleep mode. But it is a Ugh. nice economical choice. Still, one other thing was is that I think that there is sort of a uh, a minimal screen size to what my mind wants to read a book on. So, TJ, have you ever tried to read a book on your iPhone? Uh, I have read a little on my iPhone. I tend to use my iPad for digital reading. Okay. And I've always used the iPad if I wasn't using paperback books or an e-reader. So I have read a handful of books on the iPad, and that was okay. Uh, I even read the first generation. Uh, I've read a a novel on the first generation iPad. Hmm. Uh, It was okay. But again, the e-ink display picture quality is superior. Yeah, I I think the problem with reading, like I already spend so much time in front of like regular screens and the iPad is just a regular computer screen. And there's a certain amount of that, like I, I do things to reduce strain on my eyes, but there's a certain amount of that that's more strain on your eyes than paper. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I, I like the Kindle, the e-readers. You don't have to just get Kindles. There's obviously third-party options. The, the benefit of using the Kindle is that you're in the ecosystem, and if you're comfortable with that ecosystem and shopping within Amazon exclusively, then it's a surefire win. And, and I buy all my digital books through Amazon. Like it's just, I, I've looked at Apple's ecosystem and it's just, it's kind of a joke. Like, mm-hmm. for, like it or not, Amazon has all the books and it's a pretty good experience and the whisper sync is great. Yeah. And there are a couple of other third party options as well, except this is the year 2021 and there's no guarantee that those other options are going to be well supported five years from now. And, you know, the Kindle might go by the wayside as well, but the chances are that it is going to last a lot more than five years. So if I'm going to drop the change on the e-reader, I want to have a better assurance that it's going to be around for many years to come. Yeah, and I think, don't think Amazon's going anywhere. Yep. So you can uh, uh, pick from four different models of Kindles these days. I went with the most expensive, the top tier one called the Kindle Oasis, and that comes in at uh, $250. Well, I, I actually have questions about this. So mm-hmm. first of all, that's ad supported, which means you're going to see ads. You can click this button on, on the page that you linked without ads. Only t- So it's 249 ad supported and it's 269 without ads. How, why on earth would you not pay a couple more bucks to go without ads? I cannot imagine why not. I went ahead and I actually did uh, pay the extra to remove the ads. And so the, that's my second question is if you buy the ad supported, can you pay to remove ads later? Yes, you can. Nice. 
one final question and then I'll let you continue. Mm-hmm. There's the eight gigabyte versus the 32 gigabyte. Um, is it, would it like be worth paying an additional 10 bucks to upgrade to 32 or do you feel that eight gigabytes is plenty of storage for your digital books? I feel like the eight gigabyter is perfectly fine for eBooks. It, you would want the 32 gigabyter if you were one of a very few people in this world that would want to use your Kindle as your audio book device. Mm-mm. Because you can download Audible original content or Audible books to the Kindle as well and plug in your earbuds and listen to your audiobooks over the Kindle. I think we've talked about before on the show my crazy arrangement of audiobooks, but I use my podcast app, uh, Overcast, for audiobooks, which I, I love it. It's great. Um, and that's phone and watch, and I don't, I can't imagine why I would use an e-reader for my audiobooks. Yeah, I, I know. I, I would have to think that it would be somebody who's not really carrying around their phone, but they're doing some gardening, and they forget their phone inside the house on a regular basis, that kind of <laughs> but, thing. And But they would have their e-reader with them? I, I know. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I don't see many use cases, to be honest. No. So, yeah, you would get the 32 gigabyte model if you wanted to carry audiobooks on your e-reader. And I'm not one of those people. If you're one of those people, let us know because that would be fascinating. I I guess I just don't have a good sense of how big because I download digital books on my iPad for reading in my Kindle app. And I never think about because my iPad has plenty of storage. How how big is an audiobook? Like how many audio – sorry, an audiobook – uh, digital book. How how big are ebooks? Like well, typically how many will megabytes fit? worth. Uh, yeah, they're okay. they're really small files. Yeah. So so in other words, eight gigabytes you could fit hundreds of books on. Yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. okay. That, that's that's so cool. And by the time that you get, you've actually maxed that out, I mean you'd have to be a really avid reader. But well, and you just yeah. drop the old ones off. Exactly. You'll drop yeah. the old ones off, but they're still in the cloud service. You've previously paid for them. If you wanted to re-download Sherlock Holmes in ten years, <laughs> then you could. It's not going to so, be a problem. So, Oh, I have another question already. So then does it have Wi-Fi for you to connect or does it have like – I doesn't don't some Kindles come with a uh, prearranged like Amazon pays for it um, cellular service or how, what's, going, what's going on with that? Now, I don't know about the prepaid uh, service. However, it does support Wi-Fi and cellular connectivity. I do not understand the cellular connectivity side of it because that's a feature that exists for the two top tier models. But I've never hmm. had a re- desire to use it. Sure. So my understanding is, according to the spec chart, it says here under the Kindle Oasis that it supports Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi Plus free cellular connectivity. See, free cellular. There you go. Yeah. So what you is just, it, in other what words, is, you just have to pay for the hardware that does that. Okay. So I have a Kindle Oasis. So if I were on the beach and I was within a cell tower range and I wanted to just download another book or shop for another book on the fly, then I could do that. That's what it, I believe. That's my understanding. I've never had a Kindle, but um, not not a physical Kindle. I have the Kindle app. Yeah. Um. So that, but that's my understanding with these that those that have cellular. So I guess you just that's pay cool. for the upgrade to the hardware to have cellular, and then Amazon just you know has a deal with the carriers like they can download books over the cell networks. Crazy. I I think for me I wouldn't pay the extra yeah, for the hardware you. because I always have my phone with me, which I you know it's limited. I I don't pay for unlimited data because it's actually still cheaper for us to have the uh, uh, the certain amount of data plan, um, and we ne- we never go over it. Um, so I, I right. couldn't use it all. The, but but for if I was in a pinch and I wanted to download an audiobook, uh, I keep calling them audiobooks, ebook, um, then I would just turn on my hotspot and use Wi-Fi to, to do it on the Kindle, and it would be, only be megabytes. So yeah. 
So uh, going through a couple of other things about the user experience of e-reading, I think that that's w- uh, why a lot of people would stay with physical books versus moving to e-readers on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, you, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm looking at this picture. <laughs> the very first picture when you click the link to go to Amazon, the one that yeah, you put yeah, in the show yeah. document, and there's a hand sticking up <laughs> out of the bubble bath. <laughs> And I, I have questions, Joe. I have questions. That's uh, that's my hand. I I, <laughs> I told Amazon they could use this picture. I'm good at so, Photoshop. So, so so you read in in the bubble bath, and, <laughs> and you never drop your Kindle in there. And like, is it waterproof? Like, what's what's going on here? Yeah. So it, you know, I have used it in the water more as a a sort of experience to just say that I did it because I can. The Kindle Oasis is. Let's see. I'm looking at the spec chart. Oh, look at that. It says it's built to withstand getting splashed at the beach or dropped in the bathtub, hot tub, or pool. Yes. In laboratory, Kindle Oasis is rated IPX8. That's right. Is the iPhone IPX... I don't remember the IPX ratings. I think it's more... The iPhone is more than that, but, you know, IPX8 is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, and this is not true about the two base models of the Kindles. You would have to get the Kindle Paperwhite, which is $85 a piece, or you would get the Kindle Oasis at $250, you know, Mm -hmm. then you pay extra to get rid of those ads. But those do have the IPX8 waterproof rating. So, hypothetically, you could do it over the bubble bath. It still feels you know, risky. How often am I really taking a bath though? Or how often am I reading in the pool? It really, it's about being splash resistant or God forbid, like I've left it on the table, the coffee table in the family room and somebody, one of the kids spills a drink on the magazines and the Kindle sitting there and they don't clean up their mess. Well, I don't want it to destroy the device. So waterproofing is great. It's great for that. Uh, I did just do some research. The iPhone 12 is rated IP68, which is a lot more than the uh, the Kindle's IP. Uh, what was it? IPX8. Yeah. Uh, but you know. So, so another good example of where it would matter is that a lot of the Kindle users, ebook reader users, prefer them over uh, physical books and smartphones for reading on the beach on vacation. So I have a lot of thoughts about that experience. I am reading uh, – the last couple of books I've read have been digital in the Kindle app for various reasons. Um, one of them is uh, th- there's there's give and take, right? There's uh, there's upsides and downsides to both, ecos- to, to both e- ecosystems, to both weight, like physical versus digital books. Yeah. One of the great things that I love about digital books is highlighting something and taking a note. And then those notes are indexed. You can search them. You can get to write to them. And so it does make the other thing that I'm about to talk about a little bit of a moot point, but not really. The other thing I'm going to talk about is something called book geography. Um, so I still – in, like there's something about me that prefers physical books and I kind of know where I'm at in the book by the feel of it and how thick the one side is versus the other. And, and, and there's something in my head that like parts of a page will stick in my memory of, of where it was in the geography of the book. And so I can kind of find oh I was reading right about here when I read that thing that I liked. Yeah. So there's give and take and there, exactly. Uh, I, man, I'm so torn because there's a lot to like about digital books, but there's so much to like about physical books. And I don't want physical books to go away. And I want to have physical books in the world. Yeah. And if you are an avid reader, I do know a number of people who prefer to have the books that they love in both a physical and an e-reader format. 
because they can collect notes and send them to their favorite services over their e-reader device. You know, so you start with a highlight in the Kindle, you append notes to it. It goes to another service that lets you collect that into uh, note-taking apps on your Mac or your phone. You know, it could be good for reference if you were doing studies or maybe preparing something that you were going to share on a website or blog or on a podcast. It's not a bad idea. Well, I'll tell you something that this is not quite the same thing, but it's related to what I was talking about. I once went to a debate on a topic where one of the guys was all digital. Everything was on his iPad and he had all his notes there and he would scroll up and down. He did pretty good, except one time he got asked a question. He was looking for a quote. He was scrolling up and down. He never could find it. His time elapsed and he couldn't find the quote and he looked stupid. The other guy was all 100% um note taking like physical like notes and things and he never missed a beat ever like there's something about yeah, that yeah. that is just you know i mm-hmm. it's as digital as yeah. i am i you know he was and because he wasn't scrolling up and down like he knew right in the, ge- the geography of his notes the thing that he was looking for and he found it and you know it, it's just it's just a thing you know I, I i i i don't know how to feel about all that sometimes yeah and i think that you would trade off the features based on what your real situation life situation is and mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. there are plenty of times when having the physical note taking device is way better than having your phone for keeping track of your notes yeah and same thing goes for there's applicable reasons for using audiobooks but you don't want to always listen to audiobooks there's plenty Pretty of reasons true. to use physical book reading as well yeah. Now, speaking of note taking, um, since I've never had an actual Kindle physical device, I, I take notes on the Kindle app on my you know iPad. Uh-huh. It, what's the note taking experience like? Do you take notes on the Kindle Oasis and what's that experience like? Yeah, I have. And it takes a little bit of muscle memory, but it's not very bad. It can keep up with your typing and it creates the keyboard at the bottom. It's fairly intuitive about where you would tap to start notes and to close notes. And I haven't had anything like a a lapse in the memory on my note and it disappeared. I, I wondered if that might also happen, but it's hmm. been flawless. Gotcha. It, it is a, a little bit difficult to use if your screen is not especially bright in the dark, or if you have it inverted and you're not your eyes haven't adjusted. So let's say you were reading in the dark with uh, the dark mode on on the screen and you're unaccustomed to looking at the keyboard when everything is inverted. It might be a little bit trickier to to get your thumbs to land on the right keys. Uh, However, if the lighting is good and you got that uh, regular sort of light mode of the screen active and you're typing away, I haven't had much of a problem with that. Well, see, this is interesting. Um, Occasionally, if it's just a quick note, like a couple of words or something, I'll take it on the iPad. But oftentimes, if I want to take a note about something and I have thoughts I want to get out, I will slip it into my uh, keyboard case, you know, because I'll usually I usually read with the iPad bare and I will just, you know, magnetically put it on my uh, Apple keyboard case and start typing on a physical keyboard. That's not really an option with the Kindle Oasis. I I take it. Yeah, there's no no keyboard. I mean, and if there is, it's not intuitive. And so my mind hadn't gone there. I'd be curious to know. But I have heard a lot of people talk about Kindles and not one person's talked about a physical keyboard uh, compared Mm. to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. 
So, so going back to the general reader experience, we have been talking a lot about the the side benefits like note taking and highlighting and syncing, and you know whether or not it works in pools. But just for the general user experience, the Kindle Oasis is their one large tier model Kindle. So they come in two sizes: the six inches and the one seven incher model screen. So on the Kindle Oasis, you have buttons on the side. If you're left-handed or right-handed, it works easily. It'll work flawlessly, really. I assume it has an accelerometer to determine the orientation and rotate. Exactly. So if you want the up button to be page forward, then it will be the up button for page forward, whether you're holding it in your left hand or your right hand. And then the screen itself is seven inches, which is just large enough. That's that kind of like threshold for my brain where anything less than seven inches and it feels like it's way too cramped for me to take seriously and read off of this thing on a regular basis. I I love the ability over print books to be able to change the font sizes because you know a lot of beautiful books great typography but you maybe have to bring those closer to your face if the print is just too small to begin with and in the case of the kindle if the typography wasn't beautiful to start with you can change the font and you can also increase the font size so that it is more readable yeah that is certainly a benefit i i've messed around with the font settings on my kindle app on my ipad um I don't remember which one I landed on. And so obviously I feel like I have good taste in typography, but I wonder how, how well that will work for the average person who might change it to Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, God forbid. Uh, if anybody uses a handwritten style font for their e-readers, oh what gosh. are you doing with your life? Uh, but I'm just, okay, uh, and, and maybe this is just because, um, you know, they're kids, but my son uh, is using my old Android phone. Um, which is more customizable uh, for, for good or ill than so my old iPhones, you know, obviously you can use them. I can go and pick them up and they're just fine. The Android phone, I pick it up and it's a handwritten custom font all over the phone. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just insane what they've done with it, that sort of thing. It, it, so, so my mind immediately goes to, yes, customizability is good, but not too much, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that, that's, oh man, I can't, I can't imagine. Although it is the kind of thing that, you know, kids should be allowed to do. Kids be kids. Let kids be yeah. kids. Yeah. But if you if you are over that and you're into adulthood, one of the beauties that again I don't know that a child would appreciate, but the adult audience would, is whether or not you want full justified bodies of text or ragged write. And if you don't know what that means, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. just explain to us what that means. Yeah. So on the page, you're looking at a book and you see the title, and beneath that, all the following paragraphs to the bottom of the page. If those paragraphs uh, have like letters to the far right edge, so that the less, last letter of the last word on every line is straight up and down aligned vertically, mm-hmm. just like it is on the left hand side, that is called full justified. So that they put extra spacing between words or letters or both, so that they spread the lettering across an entire line to make it full justified with the other lines where there's more words with more letters and it's more cramped so that there's less spacing between the words. Whatever they have to do to stretch or compress the line. Oh, sorry, I tapped my boom arm. 
uh, whatever they have to do to stretch or compress the lines of text so that the right side is all evenly yes. distributed. And there's, that's full justified. There's two strategies that uh, they use to accomplish this, and they're both required for justification, uh, for left justification, you know, so that's even on both sides. One is, of course, stretching out, you know, putting more space between letters, and the other is hyphenation. I can't stand either of them. I think when you're just looking at it and not reading it, it looks better to justify. But but the but you know, design is not just how it looks; it's how it works. And I exactly. hate reading. I hate reading justified stuff. And and usually books. I, in fact, I don't know of any books that aren't justified. So um, I d- that definitely is an advantage of eBooks is find that setting and turn it off. Yes. Just break down to the next freaking line already. Yes. So, so if you would rather uh, avoid the on the unusual spacing between words and letters, so that everything is consistent all day long as you read, then you want ragged right, where they care more about the the spacing all being the same for every letter and every word and every mm-hmm. line. Yes. So that is an option on the Kindle Oasis. So if you were using a printed book, you don't have that option if it were on full justified because the left justified is the best way to go. Isn't it funny how obviously over the hundreds of years – when was the printing press invented? Was it 1500s or 1600s? Mm-hmm. Um, it, over the years, like we we developed – I don't know when it came into being, but we certainly – since my lifetime and any books you read over the last couple hundred years, they tend to be you know fully justified. And, you know, the web developed in such a way that we don't expect text on the web to be justified. And maybe that's part of it is seeing text on a screen that's justified feels weird. I'll, I, I hate it in books, too, but it, somehow I accept it. I'm more accepting of it. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Uh, but we've just we don't expect text to be justified on the mm-hmm. web because I guess in the early days we just didn't have the tools to do it. We do now, but uh, golly, I, I, even more like I'm OK with stretching the letters out a little bit. I don't like it, but I'm OK with it. I hate hyphenation. It always trips yeah, me up. Me too. Yeah. It trips me up so bad. It, it, it's just any time that the tool and how it works is getting in the way of what the purpose it is that it serves, it, that's a bad thing. Like, can I, it, can I get you in touch curve. with some Apple mm-hmm. designers of late? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Apple, I wish y'all would learn a couple of things from Apple Kindle designs that actually are designs that just work. Yes. So speaking of the design again, the resolution of the screen isn't equal on all the devices. Uh, and I think that this is one of the reasons why the Kindle Paper White is probably the most popular. So if you were looking at their comparison chart, you'll notice that the Kindle is the cheapest and it has 38,000 ratings and reviews. The Kindle Paperwhite has 121,000 ratings and reviews. Considerably more people have shopped for and wanted to talk about that Kindle Paperwhite that comes in at 84.99. So it's tw- what is that? 15-25 dollars more. And they still thought it was worthy of the price point to get the different features. One good example of a different feature between the base model and the Kindle Paper White for 85 bucks is that you get 300 PPI. Uh, what is that? Points per inch? Yes. And that's way better than the base model's 167 points per inch. So it just makes it look so much more like a high-quality printed text on paper versus a blurrier, uh, jaggedier edging on the cheaper model. Now, if you're not very choosy, 
you would save 25 bucks, but honestly, I think it's kind of worth it because if you're a reader and you're already going to plunk $60, you might as well spend the extra 25. And that's what yeah. most people have already thought. So if you're going from the Kindle Paper White for $85 to the top of the line model for $250 plus the $20 to take off ads on the Kindle Oasis, you are one of the fewer, the 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 the, the, the smallest group of adults buying Kindles <laughs> because that ca- accounts for 17,000 ratings and reviews on their store right now today. So it's just not nearly as popular. People don't think that it is worth to get the additional features. So what are you getting for your money? You're getting a one inch larger display coming in at seven inches than the six inches. You're getting that 300 PPI, but so was the cheaper model. But another great benefit is that it comes with way more front-facing lights in the display so that it's evenly lit and the distribution of the lighting is so good that it's just not distracting. So if you're reading a 300-page book and your eyes are constantly adjusting in a dimly lit environment because the Kindle Paperwhite has only five LEDs in it to keep the display lit, it's because parts of the display are brighter and parts of it are dimmer. And so your eyes are constantly judging for exposure of light. Whereas with a Kindle Oasis, when you when you flip-flop between uh, like dark mode or light mode or backlighting or no backlighting, if you're switching from standard color to warm lighting, you can actually make the color temperature different for warm or cool backlit screen. All of that is so flawless that it makes it so much easier to read in whatever the conditions you happen to be in. So if I picture using the Kindle Oasis for way longer than you would a smartphone or a computer, the Kindle Oasis is really worth the price to me. Because if I'm having to wrestle with the backlighting on a cheaper device for the next 10 years or whatever, it it just doesn't seem like it's a a great value proposition. But the, the $250 plus model being easier on the eyes, that's a huge win. I don't know if that is true. That's certainly not true for most people. Any questions, TJ? I think I've an- I think you've answered all my questions. Sweet. I don't think I have any any anything else. Sweet. And if you had any other questions, I mean, the good news is is that I give it two thumbs up. I really love the Kindle Oasis, and I was happy with the Kindle Paperwhite in the past, and even the base model. I've now had all three, and I, I really think that I'm just enough of a reader that the Oasis made enough sense. If you're going to listen to audiobooks, don't put them on these devices. That doesn't make any sense. And if you like using your smartphone or your iPad for an e-reading experience, you really don't need a separate e-reader. The only reason I think that you should go with one is if you love something that simulates the text on the printed page. It does a great job at that. It's super mm. light and it helps you focus on the task at hand just reading and not paying attention to you know other notifications and things that come in on your phone if that would take you away from your reading experience. 
All right. Well, Joe, we've been recording for almost an hour, but I do want to mention mm-hmm. it. I don't think we need to talk about it. I okay. just want to mention it because it's it's really just kind of a follow up on our conversation with Kevin about uh, Apple CSAM features. So I don't want people to think that we haven't noticed. <laughs> um, uh, Mac rumors reported that Apple delays is delaying the rollout of the controversial controversial uh, child safety features. Um, they're they're planning on making improvements. You know, and everybody in the comments is like, Apple, don't just don't just delay it, cancel it. So it's definitely there's like a groundswell. Of 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 people that are you know I think Apple's a little concerned that they've seen so much backlash against this and and you know based on our conversation last week I'm I'm still like in the middle I'm I'm like yeah mm, I don't know <laughs> so uh, but yeah I just wanted to mention that Apple has delayed it so it's not launching with iOS um, what's the one coming up 15 um, it's yeah. not launching with iOS 15 like originally planned I don't know if delayed it's unclear to me. Um, whether delayed means later in iOS 15's life cycle or iOS 16 or, you know, or if they're just going to quietly, you know, um, this is obviously a very different type of thing, but the, um, the battery charging thing that Apple killed, uh, air, air power, um, which they, they delayed, 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 and then quietly killed. So so maybe they'll do that here. Maybe the ups, the, uh, uprise was enough that they're not going to continue with this, but I kind of feel like they will roll it out, but figure out a better way. Like, I, I still think the biggest problem here was the messaging. And secondarily, there are some concerning features, uh, some concerning ways in which they're doing it. And obviously, the potential for misuse is we, we were worried about that. So, you know, Apple's going to revisit this, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I think that that's what they'll do, too. It, too much matters for the future of safety and family values and you know, respecting people's privacy and the like. Apple wants to continue to be a model citizen of hardware and software companies they they feel like they are trying to make a difference in the universe with this stuff that but also apple is a for-profit company and you got to figure you know i know not everybody who makes the threat we will not be buying any more iphones i don't they're not not everybody's going to follow up on that threat but you got to know as many people as we're saying it it's got to be of some concern to apple like apple is Mm -hmm. still in the business of making money right so uh, yeah i mean you know we'll see what what happens all right well, good I think stuff. that's the show. Yeah, it is. That was a good show. I it mean. was sure. If you like old tape decks and yeah, reading. <laughs> uh, Joe, if people want to know more about your tape decks and and reading habits, or <laughs> or maybe maybe they'd rather hear Rob, uh, just tell us about your other podcast. Yeah, Equinox. That so you can get all of your fill of science subjects with a real scientist who knows his stuff and listen to the subjects that fascinate him. You can listen to that podcast. That's available available from the same website as our show that is uh, nightowl.fm slash equinox to reach the science podcast yeah and, and like you say he's a real scientist he has a real science card like he can show you his credentials and, and that's it's really cool mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's it for this episode you can find links to the things we talked about in the show notes at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 38 of course if you're using any good uh podcast client those show notes will be right in the feed in your podcast client where you can visit the links and look at it as you're going and you get to the chapter markers that i painstakingly put in and everything like that so uh that's nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 38 or of course your podcast client we will chat with you again in two weeks catch you later All right, you plan on taking a joyride in your Honda?
Yes. Got to go places. Burn some rubber to get back over to my mom and dad's house and have some hot dogs and hamburgers. Have you seen Shang-Chi? No. What do you think about it? Are you I, have not. I have not either. Are you not tempted to watch it? What do you think? Oh, I, I would I would love to, but I'm also kind of over the part of my life where I want to be in movie theaters. It has nothing to do with COVID. It just has to be like, I, I just want to sit in my house and watch t- movies. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm an old man, Joe. <laughs> yes, I know. Me too. So I'm, 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 I think me. I'm probably going to wait for Disney Plus. Uh Probably, probably. Okay. We've we've been um we've been rewatching um the Mar the MCU in um chronological order. Not did I did I mention this? I don't remember if I mentioned this before. Uh, you so mentioned it, that you were going to. I don't remember if you told yeah. me you were. So we've been rewatching the MCU in chronological order, not release order. So we started with Captain America, then we watched Captain Marvel. Uh, last night we watched Iron Man, which man is that a good movie, Joe? It's yeah, so good. It's it is. so good. And man, would the MCU not have got, I really feel, because this was the movie that launched the MCU, really. And I, 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 say, I say really, no, it was the movie that launched the MCU. Um, I, I, I don't think the MCU would have gone anywhere without RDJ. I don't think that's hyperbole. Like, he makes that movie what it is, and he's so good. So yeah. good. And it really RDJ is it. which guy? <laughs> oh, Robert Downey Jr. Okay, I just never heard anybody <laughs> refer to him by RDJ. Okay. Um, yeah, so he... Um, it really, I haven't seen Iron Man in a while, but it really highlights, you know, having more recently watched Endgame in the place where he came to. And, you know, in, in Endgame, he is, um, he's, he's reluctant to go be the hero, right? He's like, I don't know. I have this family. I can't lose them. I have to protect them. And here in this, in Iron Man, he is gung ho. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to save the day. I am Iron Man, you know? And Mm -hmm. it really highlights, oh, and and hearing him say, I am Iron Man at the end of that movie is so different after you've heard him say it to Thanos, like, and then snap his finger. It's so different. But, but it really also highlights now just how much of a journey that man in the, not fictional man, but that man went on. Like, he, he's such a good character. And it's, it's quite, it's quite because of how flawed he was to start with that he becomes this iconic hero who overcame his character flaws to become that iconic family man hero it's so good it's so good i i believe it, it, it speaking of the old marvel movies my son is really jazzed about the new spider-man uh what is it called uh, oh, away man. from home Homecoming, oh, i got i i i'm i know that i'm a nerd but i i almost got, <laughs> maybe not quite but almost got chills when doc ox says yes! hello hello peter and you, you hear know, the like, laugh like, from oh, the green goblin and see oh. his bomb but the Doc Ock was enough. Yes. If they had yes. just given me Doc Ock, it would have been enough. I just watch a movie called Doc Ock. Well, yeah. I mean, that's still the best Spider-Man movie. Let's be let's be honest. And one of the finest villains of any of the Marvel movies to oh, date. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, you know, my son sees that and he's like, "Dad, I really want to go back and watch those." We watched them so you know so long ago that he was so young that he can't remember any of it. So we watched Spider-Man, the original from Sam Raimi, uh, last night, and then we had just enough time to get Spider-Man 2 started. So we started mm-hmm. part two, and we will finish it tonight or tomorrow. You know, I, I love Michael Giacchino's mm-hmm. music for the new Spider-Man movies, but there is something about yes. the music for, um, oh, what's the guy's name uh, that does that music? Danny um, Elfman. Danny Elfman, yes. There's something about his score for those movies that is just so good and so iconic. My son was even saying the same thing. He's saying, he, he was saying as he was watching the oldest, that this is the oldest of all the Marvel films combined, and he's like, you know, I like the new Spider-Man, but I kind of like X, Y, and Z and this and that and the other about yeah. this more. 
Yeah, the, the I, until the MCU, uh, like the the early two thousand Spider Mans with Tobey Maguire, like those, I I felt like we would never have better s- superhero films because they were so they were that good to me, mm-hmm. and I still look back on them fondly. I I watch them now and I can see the seams and the early CGI, but it you know what it doesn't matter because I love those movies and I know everybody loves to 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 beat up on the third one. I like the third one too, and there's really? a lot of okay. great themes in the third movie. I I know it's a little over. It's been a long time but, since I've seen that but, film. I want to go back yeah, and check it out again. I like it. I really do. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll forgive you because, you know, it, <laughs> I, I loved a lot of the Sam Raimi films in general that I was he's quick to real, give it forgiveness. Yeah. I love Sam Raimi. That, and, oh, mm-hmm. he's, isn't Sam Raimi going to be directing an MCU film? What? I hadn't heard that. Uh, let me see. Let me look up uh, his IMDb. I, I feel like I remember this. Um. Maybe not. Oh, that's producer. I need to look up director. I don't know why director's not first. Yeah, yeah. He's he's directing. He's already in post-production on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm so excited about this. So he's directing that one? Yes! Oh, oh it's going to be it's going to be amazing. That, I cannot wait. That is a great thing. Wow. Yeah. I'm much well, more excited I, about that film now. Yeah. Oh, I'm very I'm very excited about where the MCU is going. Uh it's it's yeah, I'm very excited. Um Honestly, I feel like too an, an underrated movie of his is Oz the Great and Powerful. I love that movie. You know, it was know, really you, well done. I, I I wasn't crazy about it because it, I felt like it got too far away from the canon, but it was okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care at all. I don't care at all about the canon as far as as far as that goes. <laughs> Dorothy yeah. Man, Oz the Wizard, oh Frank Baum. I love me some. Well, canon. you know, it was it was a prequel to the Wizard of Oz movie, which I've been thinking about showing the kids. I I've never liked the Wizard of Oz movie from the thirties. Th- that much but it's a classic and they haven't seen it and i feel like they probably should okay hey if you haven't seen it you do have disney plus right i have seen it okay it's been a long time uh, well not the original musical but if you have disney plus you need to search for the 80s return to oz and i know it feels dated in all of its glorious 80s way but it was produced by disney and it was made by jim henson or Jim's, what is his name? The guy behind the Muppets. Jim Henson. Jim Henson. Okay. So they made a live action film of Oz as faithful to the books as possible by combining the hmm. ideas of two or three different Oz books that came after The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Interesting. And it's actually a phenomenally intriguing story. It just doesn't work because um, for the mainstream general audience, people wanted to get the popular songs. They wanted to see Judy Garland and have all the warm fuzzies. But the 80s film is actually a little bit more in keeping with like, yes, Oz is magical and wondrous, but it can also be very scary and serious. And that was what they portrayed to be more faithful to the books. And it did not work for the general audience. Mm. So Disney ultimately tried to bury that film. So you say Jim Henson. I don't see his name anywhere on here. The director was Walter Murch. You'll you'll see it if you watch the movie. They do have the branding in, in the credits. Return to Oz. Let me look up on IMDb. Um, Writers... Obviously, L. Frank Baum. I'm looking for uh, uh, Jim Henson reference. Yeah. Well, it's a studio, we you know. Um, no, it's not. It's not on IMDb either. So, if you were to just uh, do a word search for IMDb, you'll find that Brian Henson was oh, Jack yeah, okay. Pumpkinhead. Uh, yep, yep, I'm yep. assuming he was related. 
Well, let's not make that assumption. We have the internet at our fingertips. <laughs> okay. Uh, You're not wrong. See. He was a producer and actor known for The Muppet Christmas Carol, Labyrinth, and Return to Oz. Um, that's, I mean, the fact that he was involved in Muppets at all, and he's last It seems Henson. likely. Oh, okay. So Jim Henson was his dad. Aha. Uh-huh. Ah, here we go. So that's kind of cool because he's also the guy behind the Muppets Christmas Carol, then okay. uh, probably. Well, I have added uh, both The Wizard of Oz and Return to Oz to my movies to watch list. And that, so that different list films, is, yeah. That list is um, not touched all that often because, like, there's so much TV I'm watching. But mm, um, yeah. And then when I'm not, now I'm, you know, Sunday nights is, you know, the next MCU movie in our chronological journey. So I wonder uh, where Shang-Chi falls into the timeline. Is it, like, up uh, to the moment? Does it belong right where it's happening right now? Or is uh, it yeah, I, would, I would assume it's 2024. Three or whatever, um, but that's where we left the MCU. But I don't know that for sure. Okay. Um, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Let me see if I can uh, find timeline info for that. Uh, timeline. When is Shang Chi set in the MCU timeline? Shang Chi and Ten Rings begins hundreds of years ago with a quasi origin story. But the bulk of the movie takes place after Avengers Endgame. A specific year isn't given, but it's safe to assume it's either 2023 or 2024. Um, Because, you know, we skipped ahead five years and Endgame, and so that would be 2023. Um, So it's not a specific game. You know what's funny? Um, When I was putting together my MCU timeline chronology order, most of that is easy because on Disney Plus, you can actually, they actually have a list uh, uh, of the chronology of the movies. But as you know, the Spider Man movies aren't in there. And more specifically to the point I'm about to make, The Incredible Hulk isn't on Disney+. And that is in the MCU timeline. They changed actors, but it is the st- this, like that is part of the MCU, the one with Edward Norton. Weird. See, and, next time I and, watch it, I probably will need to catch that film, but it will be for the first time. I haven't seen you've either not seen one it? of them. Oh, no. I think it's underrated. I, people don't like it. I think it's underrated. I like it. I just – I hate that they changed actors, but hmm. I, I have to admit that uh, the new uh, – what's his name? Um, the new actor uh, – uh, for Hulk, oh, um, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. He is better than Ed Norton. I have to admit. Uh, yeah. But but I I do like the Incredible Hulk, and I'm one of the few. Uh, but so there's some contradictory evidence about where it belongs in the timeline. So in Iron Man two. Uh, which I believe takes place pretty quickly after Iron Man in the in the chronology. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, there's there's footage of the Incredible Hulk happening in the background on like TVs and stuff. You know, news footage. Huh. Um, but then there's a reference to the Incredible Hulk taking place in 2011 in other places, and you're like, but that doesn't work because Iron Man two didn't take place in 2011. So there's some con- you know, canon gets a little strange. So I'm I think that it rightfully belongs, you know. If it's supposed to take place at the same time Iron Man Two is taking place, and then you have the end scene at the Incredible Hulk, where I, where you know, I, you know, Tony Stark shows up to talk to General what's his name, who shows up later in the MCU. Um, and I think William Hurt is the actor. I can't remember the general's name, but it, I think it rightfully belongs right after Iron Man. So that is the next one on our list. Um, I, I, I think the reference to it happening in 2011 was the mistake. But anyway, it's harder to watch. I don't even know where we're going to watch it yet because I don't even know where you can watch it. It's not on Disney+. Plus. Watch The Incredible Hulk online. 
No, not autocomplete. Go away. Um, <laughs> apparently, it's available on YouTube for three ninety nine. Apple TV for three ninety nine. That's probably what I'll do. Oh, Amazon Prime three ninety nine. That's actually that's probably what I'll do is Amazon Prime it. Anyway, cool man. Oh, I, I, by the way, I know this is neither here nor there, but it, I just gotta tell you again. I am so blown away by the experience of Breath of the Wild. Mm. If you can ever imagine selling your soul to a game <laughs> that'll change your appreciation for Nintendo games, this is mm. the one to do it with. Okay, I I've just never been into Zelda. And I would never at, had been either. I've, I've looked at gameplay of Breath of the Wild, and it's like that doesn't capture me i don't so it's not just gameplay uh i think that i would be in the same mixed bag experience as well for example uh, back in 2018 i had the nintendo wii u and i got it for me and jude and jude enjoyed it but i tried it on my own file and i basically traveled from the first hours worth of the gameplay into a corner of the map where i just kept dying in thunderstorms (laughs) and i hated it so I found mm-hmm. nothing, and I found no pleasure in playing the game, so I quit. Um, so the reason I got back into it now was because I was trying to explain games to Amber, and I ended up go- uh, YouTubing a couple of videos about this game, and all of a sudden I realized, oh, oh, this actually has a brilliant story. So if you f- go to the right places of the map and you follow the cutscenes. The, it's not that you play just for the gameplay, but you play because the characters are engrossing. There's actually mm. a lot of fascinating storytelling in the game. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it sounds sort of like maybe the reason that I... I mean, it's a very different game, but I enjoyed... Um, what is that? A Valve game. Um, the Portal. The reason I enjoyed Portal so much is it's an engaging story. And you're kind of... You're, you're the character playing through the story... I feel like I would actually enjoy a Portal movie that was faithful to the story told in the game better. But, like, I love this. I don't know. It's, it's like a dystopian, like, she's woken up from this hundreds of years uh, in cryostasis and everything is falling apart. And, you know, it's this evil corporation has kind of destroyed everything. And, and you know, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoy the story. 